0: only know love through knowing God. I don't care what you want to tell me about your grandmother, your uncle, your family member that's been married for 50 years and they look like they love one another. If they don't know God, they had a great arrangement and they had good compatibility and they knew how to get along real good together, but they didn't know Real love. Because you only can know love if you know God. If you don't know God, whatever it is that you call love is just what you in it, but it ain't real love. Everything, everything, everything about God is love. For God is love. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, it begins by saying, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Let me tell you, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And everything else that comes after love is the expression of love. There is no eight fruit of the Spirit or nine fruit of the Spirit, whatever you want to call it. There's only one fruit, and that fruit is love. Everything else that comes after it is expressing what love is all about. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then it says in verse 23, Against... Such there is no law. I wonder why the scripture put that in there again. Such there is no law. Because love transcends law. Love transcend your guidelines. Love transcend your rules. Love transcend all that you have put in place to govern your life. Love transcends all of it. And that's why there is no law. When you're talking about love, love transcends all the law. I pity the person who believe that Christianity is merely a collection of doctrines, confessions, or creeds. Christianity is not mindless memorization of recitation of prayers or, or catechism. Christianity is wrapped up in the one who stole our heart and demonstrated selflessness, sacrificial love unto his people. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of love. And love is costly, but I tell you what, it's affordable. It's affordable. It's costly, but affordable. There's a lot of things in life we said, man, I wish I could do that, or I wish I could go there. I wish I could take a vacation all around the world, but I just can't afford it. I wish I could have that pocketbook, but I just can't afford it. I wish I could get those shoes, but they cost so much, I just can't afford it. We wish for a lot of things because we're not rich, but we just can't afford it. Well, love, it is costly, but you can afford it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love is costly, but you can't afford it. You can, you, you can, you can, you can pay for it. The New Living Translation of First John 4 and 10 says it this way. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. If it was up to us to love God, we will still be in trouble because we don't know love. This is what I mean that if you don't if you never had a relationship with God, if you don't know God, if you're not living for God, you don't know love. And I don't mean to make you feel bad this morning about this, but whatever you're calling love is just a good it's just good chemistry. Chemistry is not love. We can have good chemistry but don't love one another. We just have good chemistry. We're compatible. Things are working good. Don't mean we love one another. So for all the people you know been married 20, 11 years that's not living for Jesus Christ, they don't love one another because they don't know love because you can only know love by knowing who Jesus is. Now that's the word. That's going to mess with your emotions. That's going to make you say, man, I don't know what that pastor talking about. That's your emotions though. I'm not going to deal with the emotional part this morning because can I tell you this? Love ain't emotional. But if you do love someone, you will have emotion. Now, I don't know if you can understand that. People can demonstrate love without demonstrating emotion. But if you love someone, eventually there will be some emotions. Eventually there will be. But don't tell me, oh, they, they, they just so stone-faced that they don't love nobody. Stone-faced don't mean you don't love somebody. Love is not driven by emotions. Love is not driven by emotions. This real love, not that we love God, but that he love us, and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away sins. There's a lot of ways to, to, to understand love. But one of the ways you will always be be able to, to understand how to demonstrate love is how much you give. What are you giving? Is it something that you can afford, just, just as easily afford? Is it something that you have so much of it that you can give it? Is it something that, hey, no big deal if you lose it, or you're given something that, my goodness, this has taken everything out of me to give this. Think about God coming to this world when Almighty God said that I need to go and save my people. Always understand this, you hear me say it time and time again. I will keep repeating it. God did not send His Son to die for his people. He would not be a good God for sending his son to die for his creation. Can you imagine creating something and then when it didn't work right, you send somebody else to go destroy it? Makes no sense. So what God did when his people that he created got in trouble, he became one of them. God will always take one of us to reach our nation. He will not use a foreigner to reach a country that is foreign to that person. He will have to take one from among them. Our global mission guide that's coming here will tell you this. Whenever you go into a foreign country to minister and to reach people, the very first thing you do is find a native person from that country and duplicate yourself in that person. Because you, the foreigner, won't reach them. You don't understand. You don't feel the way they feel. You don't know the culture. You don't understand it. So in order to reach someone from a different country, you have to go to that country, duplicate yourself in one person, and then now you teach that one person. That's why Bible schools are big in foreign countries. Because they're trying to teach the native people the word of God so they can reach their own. And so God says, I have to reach my own. I can't send my child to do that. What child? There was no God's son. But when God became human being, he became the son of a man and a woman. That's why he called himself the son. Not because he was a son, but if he's legal in this world, how can he be legal and not be a son? So he didn't send a little Jesus, he almighty God, and send a little Jesus to come down. No, he became one of us, identified with us. This is why when we stand before him to be judged, none of us will say, God, you just don't know. You don't understand. We can't say you don't understand because he showed complete Love by giving himself, becoming one of us, and walking this earth. He cried like we cried. He suffered like we suffered. He hungered like we hungered. He prayed like we pray, We prayed. He did everything like us. He experienced everything like us. I tell you all the time, he had a stepdad. He didn't live with a real dad. He had brothers and sisters that they was like he he don't have the same dad we have. All the brothers and sisters Joseph was their dad, but Joseph wasn't the natural dad of Jesus Christ. So I can't imagine who we think he is of the brothers and sisters. Who we think he is? He 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 different from all of us because he don't have the same dad we have. You know we have those kind of infighting as in family. You don't have the same dad. So he experienced all that kind of stuff. He experienced being an outcast. He experienced all the lifestyle we've experienced. He made sure of it. Believe me, everything that Jesus Christ went through, he made sure that we understood. He went through so we will know that he understands us and him to say, listen, I know what you went through. So God didn't send his son, literally, he became the son. He didn't send a son, he became the son. And sacrificed for us. God took the initiative. Love don't mean when you decide to love me, that's when I love you. Love is predicated on you deciding and determining, I am going to love you. And when God loved us, he didn't love us while we was doing good. We want the people in our life to love, to start doing good what we want them to do before we decide we're going to love them. I can't love nobody like that. Well, I wonder if God would have said that about you. I can't love nobody like that. Where would we be today because we weren't good people when God loved us and died for us. We weren't doing right. So why are we requiring everybody to do right for us to love them? Why are we got to say, well, if they don't, I'm not. That ain't why. why that, that's not what God showed us about love. Love is costly, and maybe that's why a lot of us haven't demonstrated love because we know it's costly. We just couldn't. We we couldn't term. We couldn't get the proper terminology for it. That is costly. Somebody say, love is costly. It certainly is. And so he took the initiative. God so wanted a relationship with you and me that he bridged the sin barrier to reach us. You don't realize that when we sinned, the very first sin we committed, Adam committed, you don't realize God was no longer connected to us anymore because God cannot connect himself with sinners. It's not until we get cleaned up can he connect himself to us. That's why nobody can receive the Holy Ghost until they repent and become pure in their heart before God can connect with them. But that's another story. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about love is costly. And so God wanted relationship, so he bridged that sin barrier to reach us. Listen to this statement. What sin breaks... Only love can mend. What sin breaks, only love can mend. The relationship between God and mankind was broken by sin. And what sin broke, only love was able to mend. If we're going to get anywhere, it's only going to be done through love. If we're going to have good relationship first with God and then with each other, it's only could be done through love. And we've been walking around trying to figure out how to have relationship the way we want to. And realize that the king of relationship, whose name is Jesus Christ, the almighty God, he is the one that can teach you how to have good relationship. Without him, your stuff is not strong. Whatever you want to call good relationship, it's not a good relationship. It's just getting along. Because good relationship is built on the foundation of love. And so sin breaks communion with us and God. And because God loved us, he established a way to bridge the gap in order to connect with us, in order to still have relationship with us. He wanted relationships so bad Can I throw this in? Don't marry nobody that you just, oh, you know, I love you so much. You love you so much. You're just so great and so wonderful. You know who you're supposed to marry? Marry the person who you can't live without. You know why? Every time, because we're people. Jesus loved us and he got frustrated with us. So we're going to get frustrated with one another. Every time you get frustrated when there's somebody that you love and you realize, I can't do without this person, love forces you to fix it. See, when there's no love, we ain't fixing nothing. You ain't fixing nothing. If there ain't no love, ain't fixing nothing, Gina. It's not, ain't no love. That's why we so easy. I'm done with them. No love. You don't love them. That's why it's easy to be done. Because Jesus would have been done with us a long time ago if that was how love worked. But what sin breaks love means. It is such a simple but profound statement to make when we say God loves us. But he really does. And this is really what it's all about. How God loves us what God has gone through to show his love for us God is constantly trying to let us know how much he loves us God is constantly reaching out to show us he loves us but I got to tell us I don't know if we really understand that I don't know if we really understand love and so as God is trying to demonstrate love I think because we don't know love we're just like it's foreign to us we're not responding to God because we don't know what love is we're responding to the things that we kind of are accustomed to and and so when God is trying to reach us with real love, we're just ignoring God and doing what we want because to us, love just means give me what I want and if you can please me, then you love me. Mm. If you can please me, you love me, huh? Okay. Who rose, Who raised their children like that? Who raised the children? You can get whatever you want. Nobody did, if he was a good parent. Poor David. <laughs> Put his hand up. <laughs> but none of us tell our children or child, you can have whatever you want. Did that mean you didn't love them? No. So don't expect to say only people that do what you like and give you what you want love you. Don't work that way we need to get a hold of what true love is and understand that God loves us and he's always trying to show us how much he loves us. One of the ways God will show us how much he loves us is through his people. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to pay that any attention. You know who God used as an example of his love? Anybody know the story of Joseph? Old Testament? Joseph is what you call a typology of Christ. He wasn't God. But he was used as an example of what God is all about. It's so much to Joseph's story that is amazing. They called Joseph the Christ of the Old Testament. Did you know... If Joseph didn't forgive his brothers, then everything would have came crashing. Just like if Jesus didn't forgive us, we had no hope. Joseph was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. He showed the love. He showed the love. Think about this. Born in a family of 12. 11 at the time when he was born, but eventually it was 12. He was the 11th brother. His brothers threw him in a pit. And after they threw him in a pit, they went home and told dad, oh man, some wild animal killed him. Dad think his son died. Then they sold him into slavery, into Egypt, into Potiphar's house. So now he was sold into slavery and now he's a slave in a foreign country serving this man in his home, doing all this stuff. So finally, he's serving real good because a man of God, woman of God, no matter what your situation is, you're still godly. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter how people treat you, you're supposed to still be godly. And so Joseph was going through and being treated terribly, but he was still godly. And so while he was in Potiphar's, Potiphar's house, because God was still with him, God was blessing everything that he did. Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph and knew he had the blessings of God in his life. She didn't know what it was because people never know what, the, what what's going on with us. They just know something is special about that person. But Potiphar's wife knew something special. That ain't no regular slave. There's something about this dude. And so she tried to get him to sleep with her. He didn't sleep with her. And now she called him, um, say, say he tried to rape her. So the laws that's going on back then, they throw him in jail now, a jail with all kinds of people. While in the jail, he was still faithful to God. It turned out Joseph told some dreams of some people. Finally, the Pharaoh, the, the leader of the country, the free world at that time, said, Joseph, um, someone told me that Joseph can interpret dreams. Pharaoh came up. Um, Pharaoh asked Joseph to come up and interpret his dream. Joseph interpreted his dream, said that there was going to be starvation in the land. And you know what Pharaoh says? Well, we need to find somebody that can take care of all the food and distribute it so there won't be starvation. And Pharaoh said, well, how about Joseph? He didn't even know what he was doing because God orchestrated it all. And when Joseph was in charge of all the food of the world, his brothers that sold him had to come buy food from him. What would all of us do? And we can't even lie. Ain't no way they get no food. You was going to get them so good. But Joseph showed them love. That's why he was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And so God will show us, God will work in people's life and make them godly so you can see what God love is about. He will use his people so you can say, my God, that person is just so just, they just so loving and they treat people so well. And they do things just like God says, God will use people to show you his love. Will you allow yourself to be a person that God can use to demonstrate his love? Or will people look at you and say, man, they go to church, but they the devil and be right. (laughs) God used Joseph to reveal to Egypt who he was and what he's like. Long before God judged Egypt, God showed Egypt his love through Joseph. Long before God will judge us, his church will show his love. And you can say whatever you want about the church. If God church is doing what it's supposed to do and it's doing what it's supposed to do in your life, when it's time to judge you, what are you going to tell God? we are going to tell God? Because if they can do it, you can do it. I know we got all struggles, but guess what? We're in this world. So the struggles that we all have is the same. We want to make it like, oh, you don't understand, and everybody. No, we all might have been raised differently, but the general challenges and struggles we have to live as a Christian is all the same. And so when you stand before God, you won't be able to say, God. You know, it was just hard. And God's gonna say, so and so did it. God, but they, so and so did it. Okay, well, what's the difference between you and so and so? Because a lot of us are gonna be people that was born in the same home. What's the excuse now that you was born in the home of your other siblings and you made it, and they didn't? What they gonna say? Oh, they have a they. Their upbringing was different from mine. No, you were brought up in the same home. I don't know about you, but some of us have family members that have been to jail many times and you ain't never been to jail. Why? You were bought up in the same home. Well, it's the same thing in living for God. What is the difference? Because God has given all of us the same opportunity. There are four things told to us in Scripture concerning the nature of God. Listen to them. God is a spirit. this is nature. God is light, is nature. God is holy is nature. God is love, is nature. It's not only that God loves us, but He is love. He can't do any different from what He's doing, but loving. Somehow we have this misconception that because God loves us so much that if we just come to church enough, we pray a little bit, we do a little something here and there, we go to heaven because God loves us so much. If you love your children so much, then let them do whatever they want. All of us love our kids, but they're not going to do whatever they want. So, A lot of us, without really understanding, is acting like, as the children of God, we can do whatever we want, but we'll still go to heaven because God loves us. Can't do whatever you want and go to heaven. God's going to love you no matter what. What I say, that serial murderer, that serial rapist, his mom loved him. He on death row, his mom loved him. When they was giving him the injection for him to die, his mom was there. She didn't stop loving him. She might have been just sickened by the things he did. She didn't stop loving him. That's God. He might be sickened by some of the things that we've done, but he ain't stopped loving us. He might be all just distraught. Look at the... Creation that I've created, but I still love them. I'm still making a way for them. I'm still reaching after them. I'm still trying to save them. I'm still trying to get them to go to heaven, but they must respond to me. Love is costly. And God has proven that to us that love is costly. We haven't loved because it's costing us a lot. We want love to be just like anything else, convenient. And we live in a convenient world today which makes it double hard to love because love should be convenient like everything else. Well, let me tell you, friends, love is costly. It's going to cost you more than anything else you can ever think about. There is no pocketbook that costs more than love. There is no shoes that cost more than love. There is no diamond that costs more than love. There is no pearl that costs more than love. Love is the most... Most costly thing you can ever purchase nothing more costly than love and we want to experience it and don't pay a dime or some crumbs that's what we call it back in the back in the day I only got some crumbs in my pocket give you some crumbs that's what we want we want to experience love with some crumbs you can't experience love with crumbs because love is costly turn your Bibles or look up on the screen. That's probably easier. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. Here's the meat of what I'm talking about today. I had to establish to you that none of us know more about love than almighty God himself. Nobody. He is the author of love. He is the authority of love. There there, There is none else that is more authoritative in love. And so he established it. Let us know what love is all about. So we can understand there is no shortcuts to love because it's expensive. It's costly. But the great news about it, I don't care how you're living in this world, you can afford it. I don't care how much money you have in the bank right now, you can afford it. I don't care what's going on in your life, you can afford love. Luke chapter 7. Verse 36. And one of the Pharisees, somebody say Pharisees. Pharisees is a, the Pharisees were religious. They weren't godly. They knew all the rituals, but they didn't practice truth. Pharisees played a game, but they're not all about what Jesus is all about. So when you read Pharisees, you says, okay, he's a pretender. Pharisee is a pretender. They're religious. And one of the Pharisees desired him, talking about Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he, Jesus, went in the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Somebody say sinner. She was a sinner. She was a mess. When the Bible points you out and call you a sinner, it means you was just a mess. And so this woman, she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, Sister Suzette, she bought an alabaster box of ointment. The Bible says she knew Jesus was at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster box. She brought it to the Pharisee's house. Notice. Did you read anything where the Pharisee invited her? Did you read any place where Jesus said, won't you come with me? I'm going to this Pharisee house, so come with me. So how did she get there? She said, I'm going to try to get in here. Jesus is in there. Let me try to get in there. So let's just deal with that for a second. What made her decide that if Jesus is in the house, I gotta get there? What made her decide that? What made her risk herself of being embarrassed? She's a sinner, so she could have stood at the door and they went, sinner woman, get out of here. She risked that. What made her realize Jesus is in that house and I need to get in that house? What are we waiting on? What do we need to be encouraged? What do we need to prop us up? What do we need to push us to say, Jesus is in the house and I need to get there? What do we need to say, Jesus is in my life and I need to let this life uh, be a representation of him being in my life? What, 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 what's wrong Why are we not saying that? What's the struggle with us? Somebody tell me why she determined she got to get into the house where Jesus was but somehow it's not that serious to us. People are dying from left to right, and, and we're not serious about, I need to make sure I get with Jesus. This sinner. Maybe we don't think we're sinners. Maybe we think we're real good people. Maybe we think we're pleasing God. Maybe we think that we got a great relationship with God. Maybe we think we're just top-notch with God, and that's why we're not worried about it. But this Sinner. She got there with her ointment, her alabaster box. Tell you a little bit about the alabaster box. First of all, the ointment that was in it was very expensive, it was very precious. Let's kind of think of it like this because I like to make things real to you, not something you can't imagine. But let's think about it like this there are some places you go to go buy an ounce of perfume and it costs you a ton ounce of perfume, cost you a ton. You're like, what in the world? It's just a little perfume. Well, just think of it like that, that this woman had some perfume in that box that was so expensive, it was just ridiculous back then. And you know how you know it's expensive? Because the box, the alabaster box that it was in, the alabaster box was made from a stone called alabastron, found in Egypt. This, the, the stone that is used to make this box that we say is found in Egypt resembles marble. But it's a little bit more softer than marble. And so it's able to be fashioned into a little box. And so it's a smaller box at the bottom and then it have a long neck and it's, you know, all closed up with the, with, the, with the ointment, with this precious ointment. This really strong smell of good smelling stuff that was in it. And so that's what she had. How did she get it? She was a sinner. Of course, they want to say she was a prostitute. You know, when you read certain things in the Bible, you know, say, what kind of woman was she? She had to be a prostitute because how did she, you know, she was such a sinner. She, how did she get that money? Because when you're sinner it means that your daddy not living for God and your husband not living for God and you just in that, you just was a nomad and you were just living by yourself and you had nothing going on and 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 and, and you were just living in sin. And so in order to get money, the only thing you can do back then is sell yourself. And so they if you read some commentary, they'll tell you that's what she was doing, selling herself. And so that's how she was able to make money. And so all the money she made, she was able to purchase this thing. She was saving for retirement. But she heard Jesus was in the Pharisee's house. She heard Jesus was in this house and she needed to get there. Verse 38 says, And stood at his feet. Once she got in, she got by his feet. Behind him, weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears. When I went to Israel in February, they told me, you know, there's always stories behind stories. They told me that back in the day, women when they weeped and cried, preserved their tears in a little container. So while you were reading this and figuring she's crying and tears falling, that's what she using. That could be true, but they say back then women kept their tears because it was precious. Old time babies would say, Save your tears when your mom die. That's what the old timers used to say. Save them tears. you crying for no reason. Save it for when your mama died. Save it for when your daddy died. So don't waste your tears because they thought tears was precious. So those women, when they cried, they saved their tears. So some people would say she actually had two things with things in it the alabaster and another container with her tears. And she was wiping his feet with her hair. While she was at his feet, and did wipe them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. What made this sinner woman kissing Jesus' feet? Now think about this. We walk around closed toe, especially in wintertime shoes. We have on these pretty socks I got on some today. These fancy socks. Now, Sierra got some on, yellow. I don't know what yellow got to do with anything, but they just yellow. And we all wear these socks. Tom, you conservative today, you forgot to wear your stuff. Barry, you forgot your stuff. But we we wear these fancy socks all the time, and we got our nice close toe shoes on, and 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 we change our. I think we change our socks every ta- every day. So, really and truly, be honest with you, by the time we take our stuff off and we just kind of rinse it off with some water, our feet really kind of clean. Now, I know most of us still ain't kissing each other's feet, but back then, they wore sandals. The place is dusty. So, them feet, they kind of crusty. <laughs> Jesus had crusty feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our Messiah, the Master, he had crusty feet. So when he rolled up in the house with them sandals, his stuff was crusty. But she used her tears and her hair and wiped his feet and kissed it. This sinner woman, this woman that was the worst of the worst, she wiped his feet and kissed it. What made her do that? Hmm. What made her do that? Now, when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, the one that asked him to come to the house, when he saw it, he spake within himself, meaning he was talking to himself, saying, this man, talking about Jesus, if he were a prophet, here we go, his religious stuff just came out. Because, you know, he was, he, oh, God. So this religious dude want to seem more religious, so he invited Jesus over to his house. And nobody can play, nobody can play Jesus. He's going to play us all. If we try to ever play him, you can't play God. So he thinks he's going to show himself to be something. Yeah, this dude, he seemed like a prophet. I'm going to invite him over to my house because I'm the man. I'm the Pharisee. So he said within himself, he said, if he were the prophet, he's saying, I thought in his mind, just just go with me a little bit. If this dude is really the Messiah, if he the prophet, how does he not know that sinner woman is doing this to him? This is is what he's trying to say. He says, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touched him. For she is a sinner. Mm -hmm. That's how y'all church folks do. Church folks. Man. God messing with them kind of people. People that you see look terrible and things not going good for them. We judge them. They can't be right because look at them something ain't right with them because they look a mess that's that, when you say that the next time you're religious the way you respond to people tells if you're a Christian or you just religious this Pharisee was religious can he not tell who that is that messed up lady that's doing all that why he even let her touch him oh God help us we don't understand this verse 40 and Jesus answering said unto him, because he reads Jesus, I told you God reads mine. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, that's the name of the Pharisee. Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. Check this out how good Jesus is. He's just so good. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence. The other, 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him, keyword there, most. He didn't say which one will love him, because everybody's supposed to love God. He said, which one will love most? The one that was forgiven, the 500, or the one that was forgiven, the 50. And all of us act like he only forgave us for the 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we don't act. And maybe that's a good word because maybe we act too much. But, but we don't behave like he forgave us for much, Barry. We act like ah, it was only $50, so what's the big deal? What's the big deal with praising God? It was only a little something he forgave me for. What's the big deal in worshiping God? It was only a little something. What's the big deal? It wasn't a whole lot. What do you want from me? That's how we acted. That's how we carry ourselves. When we come to church, we don't come like we realize he had forgiven us for a whole lot. When we come to church, we don't get into worshiping God. It don't matter who is here or who is not here. You're supposed to come with your mind fixed on Jesus. You're supposed to come saying, I am ready to give him all my heart and all my mind and all my soul. And I'm going to worship him because he had forgiven me for much. I don't know who was born in church. I figured it out after reading this. (laughs) Why we have a little bit of issue with our children that's born in church. They haven't been forgiven much. They was raised up in the house of God. They weren't really exposed to a whole lot of stuff. And so they ain't appreciating God the way they need to because everything was just too good for them. But for you and me who was not raised up in church, what's our problem? What is it? We haven't been forgiven much? You think it's only 50 that he that he forgave you for 50 sins? You think it's only 500 sins? Oh, no, baby. He has forgiven you for more than 500 sins. He had forgiven you for a whole lot. Remember, Eden labeled a sin is how much sin. Because sin don't matter. He don't label them, okay, lying, that's not that bad, but murdering is bad. He don't label sin, so forget that. How much sinning have you done? How much sinning have you done? How much have you lived apart from God? How much have you disobeyed God? How much have you lived your life more for you than for Jesus Christ? How much of that have you done? Oh, you could have been a good person, and you didn't hurt nobody, and you didn't curse nobody out, and oh, you probably didn't smoke, or if you did, just a little something, or you just took a sip every once in a while, but you was a good person, and you think that you're okay. Oh, no, baby. Jesus is not worried about how good you live. He's worried about whether you pleased him or you pleased you. And for all your life, who was you living for? Yourself, your parents, uh, other people, or God himself? And so, if he has forgiven you for much, what should you do? This lady was forgiven much. And because it was so much that she was forgiven, there was no value placed on what she would have done. She didn't put value on it. The alabaster, what was contained in it, They said came up to about three hundred pence. They said one pence could be a a week's wage back then. Think about that. One pence could have been a week's wage back then. That ointment was worth three hundred pence. How many? How many? How many days is 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 in a year? almost a whole year. No more than that. Five years. Five years. Almost five years worth of wage. She just dropped on him like that. And we come to church and we say, man, I ain't giving that church my money. We come to church, we don't want to pay tithes. We don't want to give stuff. We, We let all that worry us. I learned a long time that tithes and often had nothing to do with church. It had to do with my relationship with God. This giving, to, giving to the ministry has nothing to do with the church. If you think the church is trying to reach the lost, don't sweat it. Your giving or not giving, determine your relationship with God. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. And if you feel like, oh, I'm just going to hold back here and there. Oh, you know, it's God. It's just pointing out where you stand with God. All of this is about our relationship with God. It's not about we categorize. I said, God, help me. To see things the way you see them and not the way I see them. I pray that prayer all the time because I want to see things the way God see them because I realize that the way our humanistic ways are and how we see things always get us all distorted when it comes down to the things of God because we're messed up in how we have behaved for so long. We don't see how God wants us to see it. God, let me see it the way you want. And I learned a long time ago. I even, I follow leadership to a fault. Not because of leadership, but because of my relationship with God. That's how I feel. Because I don't submit because you're an upstanding guy and you do things the right way, so I'm just going to submit to you. I don't submit for that. I submit because of my relationship with God. And if he says, submit to them that have the rule over you that's what I'm going to do have nothing to do with them that have the rule over me have to do with my relationship with God and I know God loves me so much that if the people that I'm supposed to be submitted to try to take advantage of me God steps in No, you don't. That's my son right there. No, you don't. That's my daughter right there. I didn't tell you to take advantage of them. I told you to stay in your position so they can submit to you and you take good care of them like I would. I didn't tell you to do stuff to them. That's why the Lord says, don't be Lord over my people. For those of you that make yourself a member of this church, I can't treat you the way I want to. The Lord will burn my tail up. And believe me, I'd rather you be my enemy than God be my enemy. I don't want God to be my enemy. God know how to hit you where it hurt. God know how to mess you up real good. I don't want to be his enemy. Let me be yours. If you want to be mad at me, I'm okay with that. But I don't want him to be mad at me. I'll take that all day, every day. I don't want nobody to be mad at me. I love everybody. I love to have great relationship. But if you're mad at me because I'm obeying God, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because God is all about the relationship and so this lady Jesus said to the man if you was forgiven 500 and the other was forgiven 50 he says tell me therefore which of them will love most it's not to look into that Simon answered and said I suppose here go to the wannabe the fake the religious dude, he said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto the woman, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Listen to Jesus how he gets us religious people. He says, I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water to wash my feet. Jesus said, Joker, when I came in the door, it's a custom that when I come to somebody's house, anybody go in, they give you water to wash your feet. Remember I told you, your feet crusty, dusty. So it's the custom, when they come in, wash the feet. He said, Simon, you little chump. I came in the door. You didn't give me nothing to wash my feet. So I had to come and take my sandals off and my feet was still dusty. You didn't try to hook me up. You didn't try to clean me up. You just let me come in because you just a little religious dude. You're not a godly person, but you want to go judge somebody. That's what he's saying. So he says, you didn't give me any water to wash my feet. But she had washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair off her head. Verse 45, thou gavest me no kiss, Simon, I just threw that in there. But this woman, since the time I came in, had not ceased to kiss my feet. You see how we do? We want to criticize everybody, but we're not on our game. We want to talk about everybody, but we're not doing right. This is typical religious people that just get involved with church and act like they're Christians, but they not, because at the end of the day you want to criticize everybody. And that's not godly. God is saying, I don't need religious people. I need people who love. I need people who will give them life for me. I need people who will sacrifice like I sacrifice. I said, God, help me to see people the way you see them. I don't want to see people the way I see them because people can get me upset and get me frustrated and get me to be mad at them. But I don't want to see people the way I see them. I want to see people the way Jesus sees people. They killing this lady because she a sinner. When she didn't go all... Let me invite him over to the house. Jesus looked around. There's Jesus. He going to Simon's house. I got to figure out a way how to get in there. That's a real Christian person. That's somebody that's trying to seek after God. That's somebody that's trying to say, I know, I know I need him in my life. Somehow we don't think we need him in our life. That's how we behave in any anyway. she's been kissing my feet my head with oil did us not anoint one more he got to give Simon one more body, body shot you didn't anoint my head with oil Simon but this woman had anointed my feet with ointment see how we do is this going to change the way we deal with each other Is this going to change? Because I don't know how deeply you're seeking for God. I don't know how deeply you're going after God. And so I don't have the right to just give you a hard time. Yes, I know we will know you by your fruit. But we never know what stage people are in with God. Uh, Verse 47. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Many. To whom much is forgiven. To whom much is forgiven, they will love much more. And so, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Let me tell you this. I don't know if you all know this. There is two stories in the Bible about alabaster box separate stories this was the first one that I just read to you this one is about this sinner lady who was the second one Mary Mary and Martha who brother was Lazarus and when Lazarus died Jesus came and rose Lazarus from the grave And it's amazing to me that these two women, the one that was a sinner and the one whose brother was Lazarus, sacrificed the most priciest and precious and costly thing they own just to wash the feet of Jesus Christ. And the question is, why did they go to that extent? To wash the feet of the Messiah. And it goes back to. To whom much is forgiven. Much will and should be given. If God has forgiven you for a whole lot. Or God is waiting to give you forgive you for a whole lot. Then you should be ready to forgive as well. But more than anything else, ready to sacrifice everything for him. And so, they was willing to give everything to the almighty God. Because he had done a whole lot for them. One brother was rose from the dead. One was such a sinner she was going to hell. And she knew it and she figured out a way how to get to the one that can forgive her for her sins. When are we going to figure out a way to get to the one that can forgive us for our sins? The pastor can't forgive you for your sins. The church can't forgive you for your sins. Having a buddy in the church can't forgive you for your sins. Reading your Bible, you can't be forgiven of your sins. I don't care what Christian act you do your sins can't be given, be forgiven. The only way it happens is when you go after Jesus and you get down to his feet and you know you need forgiveness and you get down to the feet of Jesus and you say Jesus I am a sinner. I have done so much wrong and maybe I didn't murder. Maybe I didn't shoot nobody. Maybe I didn't do all these things that some others do but I am a sinner. I been sinning for a long time I've been disappointing you for a long time but today I'm at your feet and I'm asking and begging Lord for your forgiveness when are we going to go after God and say that when are we going to go after God and ask for forgiveness or will we just pretend that we're all alright <coughs> First Peter chapter four verse eight says this, and I finally got it. People used to say I oh, always ask me this question, and I finally got the answer. And above all things, have fervent charity. The word charity means love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Love transcend your sin. Because there's no way you can love and stay in your sin. (laughs) Help me, Jesus. I'm not telling you we don't mess up. I'm telling you if you love God, you can't stay there. If you love God, you're going to have to get up out of it because that love drives you to his feet to ask for forgiveness again and again and again. again and so when you love it covers your multitude of sins because why you go to the feet and you ask for forgiveness and he says I remember those sins no more your sins are forgiven but what caused you to go it was love that compelled you to say let me find him let me seek out him let me look where he is and go there because I love and I want this send stuff that's controlling my life to deliver me and loose me I need the delivering power of God love is costly You don't read anywhere in the Bible where love was just so, it, love messes with your pride. When you love, pride don't play a part. You know how we say love is blind and love is stupid? We're right. We just couldn't put it in the right terms. Because when you love, you don't care nothing about your pride. You're no longer worrying about how you look. I never forgot. I had a lot of pride before I got saved. You would be out of your mind to think I would cry in front of people. Please. My boy mom died and me and them was close. His mom was like my mom when my mom wasn't around. We was like this. She died. Put my shades on. Not one tear came down. Lot of things went on in my life. Not one tear came. When I got saved. I learned who Jesus is. I ball like a baby all the time tears come down my eyes I will drive by myself and I will cry and I'm wondering what in the world why am I crying God why you doing this to me he's just broke me down because I fell in love with him and I cry for no reasons I lift my hands and tears come down I just, just don't know what to do with myself and tears begin to flow because when you get into the presence of God when you say I love God you no longer be yourself you become somebody else nothing is supposed to make you say I just can't do that then you have not experienced transformation and you have not experienced real love and so God needs to work in our heart for real transformation to take place you can't be yourself and still think that you are loving God or loving anybody when you begin to love you go outside of yourself for God so loved the world. He went to the extreme. He went outside of himself. He, when you love, you're not worried about how you're going to look, Chanel. When you love, you're not worried about, ah, I don't want people to judge me. Oh, God help us. Come to church, we're afraid to come to the altar. I We're afraid to come cry. We're afraid to just lift our hands. We're afraid to sing loud. Yeah, they're going to hear me and they're going to like, man, what's wrong with them? I can care less what you think about my voice when I'm singing to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you think about my voice. I'm worshiping God. I become something different from what I used to be when it's concerning Jesus. And so finally, what should his love cost us can we afford to love him he's already showing us how expensive how costly love is and it means his love calls for our total devotion to him if we're gonna love god back total devotion so let me say it this way If God brings me into a church, whatever that church is doing, I need to do. If not, I need to go find a church that I know that's where God wants want me to. Wherever God says this is where you belong, you're supposed to be doing what they're doing. Because it has nothing to do with the church. I wish if this is the message that I can get through to you, if nothing else... Your action has nothing to do with anybody. It has to do with your love for God. It's all it has to do with. It has nothing to do with you personally and people personally. It has to do with your love for God. So if God places me in a congregation, if they have in church on Sunday morning, I'm going to be there. Again, it has nothing to do with the church. If they're having prayer meetings, On Saturday evening at 6.30, I'm going to be there. has nothing to do with the church. If they have Thursday evening, they have Bible study, I'm going to be there. has nothing to do with the church. This has to do with my desire to get to God, to let him know I love him. This has to do with my desire. When I come in, you see, when I come to church, what it does, it impacts my life. And then I take that and I carry it with me wherever I go. I gotta be honest with you. The least you get of God, the least you can impact other people's life. You cannot impact other people's life on just a little bit of time you throw in when you come. And then, if you come and you never get involved worshiping, you're leaving empty. You're leaving with head knowledge. It's not for you to leave with head knowledge. It's for you to be impacted spiritually that it sticks with you, that it it takes you someplace else and you can't help. You become somebody else. The Bible says He is forming us. He's making us. He's molding us. And every time we have an encounter with Him, every time we come together as His people, something else is supposed to take place in your life. Something else is supposed to happen. So when you leave here, you got more than what you had when you came. And next week when you come back, you get some more and more than what you had. And you keep getting more. And more your life is being changed and transformed, and you're able to impact other people's life. Can't be traditional, it's too late to be traditional, it's too late to just be a Sunday Christian, it's too late. We got to get a real relationship, a real love for God, it's too late. When God told Noah and the people of Noah's family, get an ark, Noah was not allowed to close the doors of the ark. The door of the ark. He did not let Noah. That wasn't Noah's responsibility. He said, Noah, go ahead and build it. Put it together. Do all this stuff. Get the animals in. Do all of that stuff. But your responsibility is not to close the door. You know why Noah didn't get that responsibility? He couldn't handle it. We want to have pity on our brothers. We want to have pity on our families. Oh, you know, that's, oh, you. They got the same time you got. They just determined they wasn't ready to do it yet. And so they want to, you know, take their time, but they don't know God's time. And so none of us know God's time. And so we can't worry about when and who and what. All we can worry about is ourselves, And it's too late. It's too late right now. People are falling like flies. We're at the end. And love costs a whole lot. And if we're going to make it, we're going to have to be devoted to God. If we're going to make it, we've got to be devoted to God. Our relationship with God begins from within. It's been easy for us to conform to behavior, Christian behavior. That Pharisee dude, he conformed. He wasn't transformed. He was conformed to a behavior. Oh, Jesus, I'm sure he was wearing his robe. Sure, he had his prayer shawl, Suzanne. I'm sure he had all the stuff that he needed to walk around. Look at me. Oh, Jesus, come hang out with me. So everybody, like, he must be the man. Jesus went over to his house. Guess who was the man that day? That sinner woman. It wasn't that joker Pharisee um, Simon because Jesus broke him down. I don't know what happened to him after Jesus got done with him. He thought he was going to have dinner to brag about him and Jesus. He probably just was sitting there like, And Jesus walked out. Thanks for the dinner. God bless you. And that lady got up and walked out with Jesus. Not even thinking about her five years worth of money. And her hair was all in his feet. Kissing and who? Man, they're going to talk about her. She was kissing God's feet. She was kissing the Messiah's feet. What is up with her? She left out blessed. She left out with eternal life in front of her. From the heart, the issues of life flow. So love must start from within. Our love must come from our heart or it's meaningless. It can be a rule of ritual. I'm sorry, it can't be a rule or ritual. Love has to just flow from your heart that moves you to do sacrificial, compassionate thing. What should his love cost us? His love calls for our submission. We don't like that word. It sounds. mm. His love calls for our ongoing investment in his kingdom. Did you ever think about when you come to church, somebody might need you? Do you ever think about that? Somebody needs to see my face today. Something about me when I show up, somebody just gets blessed from it gets encouraged did you ever stop and think about that we don't do that put somebody on the spot when I see David Phillips something happens to me because I knew David Phillips when I see him show up in church something just happens to me to me it's a miracle to me, I'm just like, I don't even think he knows how much of a miracle it is for him to come to church. I don't even think he knows. I don't think he understands what has happened and what the possibilities of God, but I see him and something just, I'm saying, man, God, he's here again. Because I knew him a long time and I knew his lifestyle, but he's showing up, he's showing up. And I keep saying, God, I know you can do something great in his life. God, I know you can do something great in his life. And I'm praying every day, God, do that great thing in his life because I know you can do something great in his life. And it doesn't matter. I know he has struggles. I know he has things. And I know he has challenges. But I will never give up on you, Mr. Phillips. I will never give up on you. I really believe God wants to do something great in your life. I really believe it. And I will not give up on you no matter what's going on. I don't care what nobody come and tell me. Well, I saw him doing this and I saw him doing that. I could care less. That's what nobody tell me. I just know for you to be here today is a miracle, which means the possibilities are still endless. The possibilities are still achievable. Total submission. His love calls for ongoing investment in the kingdom. We are to love him with all of our energies, all of our resources, all of our abilities, and all of our talents. This does not mean shaking of the head, yeah, 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 or amen. No, all of us, everything in us. Finally, I want to close with this the cross. The cross the cross the cross we've said, we've said it's the emblem of suffering and shame we call it a lot of things pick up your cross and follow me And we need to die daily all this kind of stuff but I'm going to tell you the real essence of the cross the real essence of the cross demonstrate divine love let me tell you how it does cross come up from the ground and reach across like this the cross the foundation is in the earth that's where man was taken from formed and mold and made and it goes all the way up man was taken from this and man is supposed to worship the creator who is far above that's just one piece Then it goes across like this. And it represents when Jesus was on the cross. There was a repented man on one side, unrepented man on the other side. We said a thief and the one that repented. When we understand the cross and we live our life according to the cross, We will reach up to God always like this and look to him in worship and praise. We will reach over like this to those that are lost and don't know their way and try to reach them. And we will reach over like this to continue to strengthen and fellowship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That cross that comes this way and go that way, teach us what total love is all about. Us and God. Us and unsaved people. And us and the people that's living for God. If those things are not working in your life, love is not working in your life. Will you stand today? God inspired this message today. And he dealt with me, just dealt with me about how love is costly. And we're not experiencing it. And we're not doing it because we don't want to afford it. We're not paying the price for it. Like everything else in life, if it don't come easy, I don't want to deal with it. And then sometimes we get to a place where we think we can experience it. Without giving what we need to give. The Bible makes it clear, Brother Tony. You can only reap from what you've sown. You can't reap something if you didn't sow nothing. And we want to reap from people's life. We want to reap from God. But we haven't planted any love. And today I want to challenge you. If you will take a step out of your seat. If you can kneel, kneel. If you need to stand, stand. But recommit and rededicate your life to God. If that woman can do it, what are we going to do? If that woman that knew she was a sinner could go fine and knelt down by Jesus' feet. Jesus is not asking you today to wash his feet with your hair. Jesus is not asking you to wash his feet with your tears. Jesus is not asking you to to pour out that ointment that's so expensive and and say pour it on him. But how are you going to demonstrate your love to Jesus today? What kind of love will you demonstrate to God today? And until you can get outside of yourself. And that's why I'm challenging you today. If you're going to show your love to God, why don't you come and kneel down before him? If you're going to demonstrate your love to God, why don't you come and break yourself before him. Without worrying about who looking at you. Who talking about you. And I need you to get into God today. This is not for you to just do. God wants you to experience real love. God wants you to know and understand. He didn't show us those two ladies with the alabaster box. He didn't show us those two ladies to just. But he showed us those two ladies. Because he wants us to understand what true love, divine love is all about. And if you're going to let God know. You might not know how to love right now. But how you can get started is understanding how to at least thank him for what he has done for you. If you can get to a place today of thanking God for what he's done for you. Or for what he can do for you. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. You can bow and confess now. Or you will later. And for some of us it's going to be too late by the time we're ready to bow and confess. Because I'm telling you I know it in my heart and my soul. In every fiber of my being. If you hold back from God. Hell is coming your way. Hell is coming your way. And you are going to experience what you cannot handle. And you're going to either have to repent and call on God at that time. Or you can still hold back from God. And then when it's time for him to rapture his church out of here, you're going to be left because you never responded. God is calling on us today. God is calling us today. He said, I gave everything. It was costly. It cost me everything to rescue you all. It cost me everything to give you an opportunity to be saved. It cost